Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Am I on? I am. I trust Gabe. Gabe says I'm on. The rest of you don't know what to say. So, you guys well this morning? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming out and braving the possible, well, the definite snow and ice timing we don't know. So, I, you know, we love you all. We do. And we welcome you all. And so I say this with all the love in my heart. Please go home as soon as we're finished. <laughs> you know, we love you, but like leave. Because, you know, after this, there's going to be weather. And there are going to be people who are going to have to stay behind as long as you stay. And we want them to be safe. Yeah? So as much as I can say that with love, we love you. But, you know, leave quick. Leave, leave, leave quick. Come to Free Life. We're, we're a real family. So... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, funny. You know, joy in the house of the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, you know. I, every once in a while, the Lord puts it on my heart to do that. Uh, you know, the greatness of God and the bigness of God. And, uh, you know, you can know a lot about the Lord, but when you meet him, when you encounter the Lord, one of the first things you'll recognize is that you and him, big difference. And yet he loves us unconditionally. He'll never love you more than he loves you now. He'll also never love you less. I cannot fathom that. And uh, every once in a while, the Lord puts it in my heart to just talk about his bigness. I used to study that. I used to try to even develop vocabulary just to talk about the Lord. Because, you know, he's still the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He does not change. He does not change. And we place so many things above him. We, do, we say we don't, but we do. As soon as we get stressed or worried, what's actually happened is we've taken our eyes off him. And we've put it on something else. So, we're talking about a kingdom view. And uh, the Lord has put it on my heart as we launch into this year. Last week, uh, you know, I felt maybe it was a little heavy. I didn't mean it to be. But I had so many people come to me and say their heart for the lost has just been rekindled. And that's a, that's a good thing. It's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. So we're going to continue. And um, Sam's, Sam's dad is here, Mark. Mark, could you quickly stand just one second? He's not going to like this at all. But uh, that's Mark, and I just want to honor you, sir. Um, huh. As I look at you, just your family and what you've done. And um, these people don't know you, but I just wanted to honor you. It's one of my closest friends, Sam, and uh, his father is... It's a great man. So anyway, it's great to have you, Mark. So kingdom view. We want to talk about a kingdom view and a kingdom view concerning people, which we touched on last week, looking at Zacchaeus, a kingdom view concerning purpose and concerning power, the actual power of God. We won't, we, we may get there, we may not, but we're going to look at Luke 19, but we're going to, the context, go back to Luke 18, and we're just going to jump right in. And I uh, trust most of you were watching last week or were here last week, so we don't have to recap too much. But Luke 18, verse 31, Jesus says this, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man, that's a messianic title concerning Christ, mostly from the book of Daniel, but all things, and it's the Lord's favorite, in a sense, when he was on the earth, his favorite name for himself, uh, for the Son of Man, uh, all things concerning him um, will be accomplished. 
For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. And they will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But then as this, verse 34, but they understood none of these things. So we look back and we think, man, how dumb were these guys? You know, that's just the way we think. Because we, are, we have it in our rear view mirror. They did not. And they had so many obstacles to overcome. Things that had, they had been taught. One of them, for example, that Israel was God's son. They couldn't fathom that God's son would come down. That Exodus 4 says they were taught that by the rabbis. Israel's God's son. So there were so many, in a sense, religious obstacles they had to overcome in order to see Christ for who he was. That's why that great moment in Matthew 16, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God, which Peter had that revelation. And so it's an incredible, incredible moment because we don't, we don't realize what it was like for them in their day. So here Jesus tells them plainly, listen, I'm going to this place, Jerusalem. We're on our way there. When I get there, these things are going to happen. And they were like, what? I mean, he, he's told them, literally. And it says they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. How many times in our lives could we have even a belief or a perspective of Scripture or of doctrine of the Lord that actually causes us to not see His purpose, even though He's told us? And the amazing grace of God is He still used these people mightily. Mightily. Even this crowd, it calls this crowd that we're going to talk about the multitude of his disciples, this whole crowd that followed him all the way and through Jericho and into Jerusalem and sang Hosanna and the triumphant arrival into Jerusalem. That crowd that fulfilled prophecy, because that had to happen, believed something else was going to happen. <laughs> so sometimes God will use us to fulfill his purposes when we think we're doing this, but he's like, actually, you're doing that. You know, as someone once said, he can win with a pair of twos. If you know poker, you know what, that's not a good hand. So, we need to always retain his kingdom view. That's why here at Free Life we have a saying or a mission that we have, which is to build a culture where people know God, because everything comes from that. Everything comes from that. Not from intellect, not from study, although we need that, not from intelligence, although we need that. Everything comes from a genuine relationship with the Lord because he reveals things into you, into your heart, into your spirit that teach you. The Bible even says when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said he will actually teach you how to speak spiritual things. So you can study all you want, but unless the Holy Spirit impacts your life, even when you communicate, it won't come across right. He has to instruct your heart through your spirit, through into your mind to how to actually speak about the things of God. That takes a relationship. Yeah? So, that's the context. So they go, and we said this last week, verse 35, and it happened they were coming near Jericho. So they're going near Jericho, which was like a Loudoun County, like us, super wealthy. And they were coming near Jericho, so all the blind people and the beggars and the homeless used to stand there because those were the people with money. And he meets blind Bartimaeus. And that multitude of his disciples that are there because they're disciples of the Lord tell him, be quiet, shh, stupid, you know, like the opposite of what he was there for. Then it says in verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Jesus walked through Loudoun County in a sense. 
And then we spoke about this last week. There was a man named, excuse me, a man named Zacchaeus, who was a wealthy man, and they were not happy that he went to stay at his house. They were just not happy. And so he actually has to point out, in, verse, in 19 verse 9, he says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he, talking about Zacchaeus, also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And he has to literally point it out. The next verse, verse 11, 19.11 says, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable to them, because he was near Jerusalem. And because they, who's they? The multitude of his disciples, including the twelve, they thought, they thought, like sometimes some of us, well, you know, Derek Prince used to say, the soul has three languages. Our soul, not our spirit. I think, I want, I feel. That's the three languages of the old nature. And, I, well, I think this is going to happen. They thought the kingdom of God would appear. And you know what that word appear means? It means appear. It's amazing. They thought, not like we understand the kingdom now, in this time, through the spirit. No, the kingdom that was, he was going to set up when he comes back. They thought that's going to happen literally as he, walk, as he goes into Jerusalem. So they're excited. Why? Because this is good news for them. Who remembers when they said to him, Lord, what are we going to get? Because we gave up everything to follow you. So like, now what? And they formed that belief. Well, this kingdom's going to suddenly appear and he's going to rule and reign. And, you know, we're his buddies. So they even got it in their head to go up to him and say, so who's going to actually like sit on your right and your left? Think about it. All the provisions of Christ for me. Taking hold of everything that Jesus came to do with an old nature, the old nature that was born in the garden, we'll get that, which has self at the center. I can take all the provisions, even the power and the wonder of God and say, well, how do I position this so that I can benefit? That's what's happening. And because of that belief, they couldn't even see what he was doing there. So he told him, this is where I'm going. This is what's going to happen. Huh? Then he says, guys, this is why I've come. It's like he keeps telling them. So he has to then tell them a parable to explain to them why he actually came. So let's go to that parable. Can we go to Luke 19 verse 11? Can you guys still hear me? I have to take it off my face because I'm really manly and I have stubble. So it scratches. I'm just playing. That's what I said to the guy at the back. So Luke 19 verse 11. I'm going to get in trouble for that later, just in case you don't know. Luke 19:11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Heard what things? That the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. It's a statement of purpose. This is my purpose. So they heard these things, and he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. And they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said to them, a certain noble man. Now, let me just give you, you know, up front, what he's talking about. Some people think this is a parable just about stewardship, financial stewardship. It's not. He's, that noble man is him. Because it's royal birth. Royal by birth. Rights by birth. Not by earning. By birth. He's the son of God. 
So he starts telling a parable to dispel their thought that this kingdom is going to suddenly appear. And he says this, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, because the Lord has to ascend to the right hand and be delivered the kingdom from the Father and then pour out the Spirit, and in this age called the church age, through the Holy Spirit set up his kingdom through which the church, the church, you people, are that agency. The church is, in a sense, the agency through which the kingdom of God comes. Now, on earth, now. But he has to go to heaven, ascend, sit at the right hand of the Father, receive that kingdom, and pour out the Holy Spirit, which you now see and hear, as it says in Acts 2.33. So he says this, A certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, speaking about when he comes back. So he called ten of his servants... And delivered to them, some translations say delivered unto them, or gave them, ten minas. People say it's minas, it's minas, you can, you can be wrong, that's fine. And uh, in the Hebrew it's manah, or manay. So it's, but ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. Another translation, who's in NIV? Just a few. It says occupy till I come. So people have translated that as we need to be in charge of everything. We're going to run the earth. Because that's not actually what that word means. That's why it says do business. He's saying be occupied with the things that I'm occupied with. Be occupied with that, my business. Even as a 12-year-old boy, Jesus said, why are you looking for me? Do you not know that I'm about my father's business? He knew that at 12. So he said, be like that. Be occupied with that which I'm going to tell you to do. Be occupied with that all the time. So he said, do business till I come. But, but his citizens, how's this, hated him. His citizens hated him. Talking about this nobleman and the citizens. It's actually now directly there referring to some of the Jewish people in that day. But now to all, in a sense, who outwardly reject Christ. His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. I remember some statements similar in the last few years. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants who he gave these minas to, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, now he gave it to ten, but we only hear the report of three. He says, there came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. So have authority over ten cities. And the second came to him, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. I mean, at least build a wooden box, you know what I mean? Put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you are an austere man. That word feared is actually fear, phobia, phobia. And austere means rough, rigid, harsh. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? That at my coming... I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him 
and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, but he, like, he has ten already. And one of the most misunderstood scriptures is next. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And people think, you know, the Lord is creating the poor by taking, not the opposite of Robin Hood. Not taking from the rich, give it to the poor. Taking from the poor and give it to those who are rich. That is not what it means at all. We'll get into that if we have time. But, and then he says, but bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. That's an interesting picture. So now this is the Lord speaking about, listen guys, you have a concept in your mind about what's going to happen. It's not going to happen like you think. You're right. The kingdom will be set upon the earth and I will reign on the earth and sit on the throne of David. Just not right now. So he talks about a noble man, which is him. And then he says, listen, there's two groups of people that are going to be on the earth while I've gone away to receive the kingdom from my father. There's going to be two groups of people. Those who are, see themselves as part of what, what I'm involved in and those who hate me. He told us that's what's going to happen. But I'll say this, both of those groups of people were under his authority, nevertheless. Some recognized it, some did not. That doesn't change that he's still in charge. Some literally says, we will not be under his authority. I'm like, well, you still are. He created you, he gave you breath. So, then he says, he calls them, and he says, I want to know, it says here, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Now remember, he's letting them know that he will not set up his kingdom, but he wants to know what they did with what he gave them in order to accomplish what he's told them to do. You hear that? What did you do with what I gave you in order to accomplish what I want you to do? That's what he's asking for and account for. So he comes back and he says, he says, how much did you make with trading? Now they're talking money here, but it's a parable. And Amina was actually about three months salary. So say someone earns $5,000 a month, just to make the math easy for me. He gave them $15,000. The one guy said, well, I've turned it into 150. The other guy says, I've turned it into whatever is five times 25. No, it's five times five. You know, 15 times five, whatever that is. So 75, thanks, babe. I married a genius, that's great. So they each turned it into different things. He didn't celebrate, you know, how much do you have? He just wanted to know, what did you do with what I gave you to accomplish what I'm going to tell you to do? I'm going to deliver unto you what you need to advance my kingdom, to increase the kingdom of God on the earth in my name while I'm away. But you will need what I'm giving you. How many people have heard the statement, takes money to make money? Yeah? People say, well, if I was given that, maybe I could make, takes money to make money. That's kind of what he's saying. You can't use other things to advance my kingdom. Use what I give you, which we're going to go into. Use that. That works. You can't use other things. It doesn't work. It takes what he gives us to advance what he's called us to. That's what he's actually saying to them. Now he comes back and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you use what you were given for the purpose it was given for? He's talking to the multitude of his disciples. 
And then he says, because you were faithful with little, with little, with, it actually says with very little, I'm, I'm going to give you ten cities. That's an astounding thing. What is he saying? Listen, when I come back, I'm coming with that kingdom. You think it's going to happen now? When I come back, I'm coming with that. And then I'm going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you to advance my kingdom? Whatever he has given us, which is gifts, authority, all those things which he'll get into, we think they're like, wow, look how gifted this guy is. Look at the power of God over there. Look at this man's great teaching gift. And he says, it's very little compared to what's coming. It's very little. And if you've been faithful with that very little, what do you get? Authority. Because he actually gave them a small measure of authority. Because in that world, he had to give them authority. He had to give them use of his, like a credit card. Use of my name. You can sign in my name to do business. You can make decisions on my behalf. I've given you authority to, in a sense, act as me. And how you've done that will determine what happens later. This is a very little thing. But he says, when I come back, that's real authority. I'll give you authority over kingdoms and cities. Hello. The servant also has the right perspective. Master, your mina has earned. He did the work. That's an earthly mindset. Well, I did the work. I mean, I, he just, I just did all the work. Yeah, but it all comes from him. And if he didn't give him, he wouldn't have been able to. He says, so your mina has been working for you in a sense. What did the other servant say? Very interesting. He says, well... You're a harsh man. You're this. You're austere. You're rigid. You're rough. And so when Jesus said, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, he's not saying, yeah, you're right. It's actually, culturally, the opposite. <laughs> he's saying, listen, I don't, I'm not that man. But if that's who you say I am, then even your actions still make no sense. Because if you were actually afraid of me, you would have done something. It was just indifference. He said, your actions don't make sense with what you're saying, so I will judge you according to what you're saying. And what's the point? It's something that has infiltrated the body of Christ throughout the world. And it's, in a sense, sometimes getting worse. Your perspective of who God is determines how you partner with him. Your perspective of who God is, what he's like, determines how you partner with him in this day and age. If you deem him to be rough, rigid, harsh, it's hard to partner with a tyrant. If you've met him and encountered the Lord, you will know love, you will know grace, you will know power, you will know compassion. He will change your lens for people with the way you look at them. So being faithful with what he's given you really depends on who you think he is. And those who have a negative view of the Lord, they are the ones that are affected negatively, not the Lord. And people, that person, and people around those people, they don't actually step into what God has called them for and what God has called them to because they're afraid to use any of the tools that he has delivered unto you for you to use. They're afraid, for, I'm going to fail. And if God's as hard, he's going to, 
whack me. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like a fool. I'm going to try it and it's not going to work. Or I don't even know where to start. And all the fears and all the panic and all the overthinking. And, and so I'm, I'm just going you know, to go to church. I'm going to heaven one day. I'm going to heaven one day. I'm going to heaven one day. Yeah, that's true. But when he comes back, it's, it's not harsh. It's actually very exciting. If we recognize what he's given us based on who we think he is and how we think he sees us. It's just the truth. So let's backtrack. Can we backtrack? Jesus speaking a parable to dispel some thoughts that they may have. I'm going away. That doesn't mean I'm leaving you. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm actually going to send my Holy Spirit, the own spirit with me, the spirit of sonship. I will send my, the spirit of God. He will come and dwell in your heart. He will rest in you. He will come upon you with power. I will come and make my home with you and the Father and you and me. We will be one. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's not like goodbye. It's not that. Not at all. He's given us everything we need. And he says... And now he starts to spell out his purpose to them because they couldn't see it even when he was telling them. So, it's good for us when we talk about retaining a kingdom view for the purposes of the Lord. We have to know, why did Jesus come? Most people are all to save us from sin. That's true. But what did he say he came for? What did the Bible says? This is why he came. There's about 20 statements in the New Testament. This is why I've come. This is why I've come. I came to do this. I came not to do this, but to do this. And we need to be so undergirded and have that so within us because we will constantly, as is normal, I do it, we all, it's not, we're not, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me, we all do it. We will take all the purposes and the provisions of God and power and gifts and everything and we will slowly shift it to how can I benefit? That's a natural swing. And so we, I put this before us today as we look at this year to say it's stuff you know, it's the gospel, but why did he come? So can we do that? These are the statements of purpose. Now there's many, there's about 15 to 20, depends on how you read it. Um, I've whittled it down to six because some of those are like, they include some of the others. So for example, some of them we're not going to talk about. Jesus said, I've come to call not the righteous but sinners to repentance. We know that. I've come to bear witness to the truth. I did not come, John 6.38, I did not come down to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's a very important statement. Meaning their wills could have differed. Not saying they did, but he could have sinned. And he didn't. He was tempted in every way like us, but yet was found without sin. I did not come to do my will, but his will how great Jesus is and was. I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. So there's those. But we're going to look at six. Statements of purpose made firstly, first two made by some people that were not Christ, but the first one by John, the beloved apostle. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, this is an overarching one. For this purpose, statement of purpose, the Son of God was manifest or was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Very simple. This is the man who lay on Jesus' chest, who was the last disciple of the twelve that was alive. Saying this is why he came, to destroy the works of the devil. We're going to talk a little bit about that one a little longer. The rest will go faster. The works there means ergon. 
That's the, the, the word, ergon. It means all the energies and all the efforts of the devil that he's launched against mankind actually to hurt God. It says, John says, for this purpose, to destroy the works, of, actually means to destroy the works of the destroyer. To destroy the works of the devil. So if people have to ask me, what's wrong with the world today? One word, sin. One word, sin. That's what's wrong. That's why no policies, no political policies will fix the problem. They can help, but it's the heart of man that's the problem. And they they need born again. They need a new heart, and they need a new mind, and they need a new sight. This Bible even speaks of, it's not in the notes, but it speaks of three types of peace. The peace between man and God, which through Christ we have peace with God, Romans 5. It's wonderful, friendly sky above us, Father that loves us. Then there's peace between people. <laughs> and that's actually the ministry of believers. The ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile people to God, salvation, and people to each other, 1 Corinthians 4. There's peace between people. Then there's peace between nations and kingdom. The Bible's clear. Nations and kingdoms. That's allies and groups. That will not happen until he comes back. Three different types of peace. So, one word, sin. Through the fall of mankind, through sin. What came through sin? Death. Let's read it. Romans 5. I don't know if it's coming up. Therefore, just as through one man, first Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus, in other words, because of that, death spread to all men, because all sinned. So everything changed at the fall of man. Everything. 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 I I wish we could fully see it. I don't know if we can. We became lost. Why? Because we lost that which God had delivered unto us. What am I talking about? What was lost in the garden? Many things, but three you know, predominant things. What was lost in the garden? Firstly, authority. Authority. Adam was given dominion over the earth as a king of the earth, in a sense. The earth is yours, Adam. The devil has this, has to trick and, and, and manipulate and deceive Adam. Why? Because he had no authority of his own. Because all authority comes delegated from God. All authority. He didn't have any of his own. So he has to manipulate and trick and deceive some, someone who had been delegated authority by the Lord. So he could get some authority. And when Adam obeyed him, the Bible says you become a slave to the one whom you obey. And when Adam obeyed him, he legally snatched authority from Adam. Snatched it. And he knew it. It even says in Luke 4, verse 5 and 6, when Jesus, when the devil tempted Jesus and took him up into the high place in the temptation of the 40 days, it says, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That's a spiritual experience. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. What does it say in the Bible in the parable? He delivered to them ten minas. This has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Well, who delivered it to him? Adam. What was lost in the garden? Authority. Authority. What else? Relationship and fellowship 
with God. That's how love comes into the heart, through relationship and fellowship with God. They were kicked out. Out you go. Can't be here no more. They had unhindered access. Unhindered. And that was cut off because of sin, because of the fall. Their very nature, the heart of man, became bent and twisted. Still made in God's image, but bent and twisted. And as I've preached many times, what was born in the garden? Self. They start self-justifying, self-preservation, self-this, self-image. I'm aware I'm naked, self-conscious. I'm throwing my wife under the bus to save myself. Self, 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 born in the garden. That's how I've always said the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is self. 1 Corinthians 13, for the love does not seek its own desire. That's born in the garden, and they lost fellowship and relationship with the Lord. What else was lost? Just three things. Life. Not like living. The life of God. Zoe, life of God. It says here, we know it, Genesis 2. Of the tree of knowledge and evil you shall not eat, for on that day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And the devil comes, I mean, you're not surely going to die. Think about this. They had no concept of what it means to die. No one ever, like, what do you mean die? And so the devil deceived them. And we all know they sinned, they ate of it. They didn't drop dead. They didn't. But everything changed. Death entered through that sin. So now one day they're going to die. They're not going to live like God intended for them. They went from God's wisdom to a fallen human wisdom. The devil uh, uh, promised them wisdom. If you eat of it, you'll be wise. They already were wise. It just wasn't fallen human wisdom. It wasn't intellect above spirit. All of this changed in the garden. Jesus says in John 10, the thief does not come except, he has a statement of purpose about the devil. He does not come except, meaning every time he comes, this is what he's going to do. To steal. The word is klepto. You know the word kleptomaniac? That's where we get it from. He cannot help himself. To steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come. He has another statement of purpose. That they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. They may have it to the full. Because right now they're born in their sin. Because ever since Adam, everyone is born Dead in trespasses and sin. The Bible says Ephesians 2. And what is the first thing that man does when they understand that there's this cosmic divine problem with humans, with human nature? What do they say? We can fix it. We can fix it. That's the first thing they did. Before they got afraid, before they ran and hid, before anything, they said, let's get some leaves and we'll, we'll just sort this out. Think about it. You know, it's stupid. But that's in the nature of this twisted, bent nature, human nature. That's it. I can sort it out. I can fix it. I must fix it. I can do it. I don't need God. We can do it. And from that has come all these other things. You don't, Jesus is not surely the only way to heaven. People say that like, that's so offensive. How can he be? Why is Jesus the only way to heaven? Not because he's mean. Not because he's like, well, I want to I wanna be the only one. I'm better than you. No, because he's the only one that could take the monkey off your back. He's the only one that could deal with the problem. <clears throat> That's why he's the only one. And the Bible says when he came, it describes Jesus this way. In him, in Christ, was life. 
And that life inside of him was different to human life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. <laughs> but the darkness does not understand it. <laughs> that life of God brings light into you, and you see differently. You think differently. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil, all the efforts and the energies that the devil took against the Lord and against you. And he took your authority. He took your life, the life of God within you. And he took fellowship, the presence of God. Second one. <coughs> Sorry, I swallowed wrong. Statement of purpose. John the Baptist. First one was the beloved disciple. This is John's, uh, Jesus' earthly cousin. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I, w I wish I could go into how great of a prophet John was when we understand that they didn't have no clue that Jesus was coming to deal with sin. Think about it. Who's watched The Chosen? Anybody? The great teacher Nicodemus thought it was political, thought the kingdom would appear. He said, no, I've come to deal with sin. How great of a prophet was this John the Baptist? who spent his years growing up in the desert basically with the Holy Spirit as his friend, having had things explained to him in the spirit realm. And he comes and says, that's the Lamb of God, the Lamb. He's going to die to take away sin. People had no context of what he was talking about. Must have thought he was crazy. People say, I want to be a prophetic person. Great. Kiss your reputation goodbye first. For real. Then the Lord will speak to you. Jesus came to deal with sin and its penalty, which is death. For the wages of sin is death, as we know. But the gift of God, see the one you earn, the one you don't. Wage, gift, is eternal life through Christ our Lord. The rest of the statements we're going to go through are made by Christ himself. Number three, for the Son of Man, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. That's man's thinking. I'm at the top, you serve me. Kingdom thinking. I have the most authority in order to deal and help with all those under my authority. That's why I have authority. To release and free those under my authority. And to build them up and to empower them. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Just before he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, that's Mark 10, 45, Jesus says this, Now my soul is troubled, some translations say distressed. And what shall I say? Because he was thinking about the cross. Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. He came to die. He did not come to be served. He came to serve by overcoming what overcame you. That's why he says, if you, go, if you want to go into a strong man's house, you have to be stronger than the strong man. He's talking about him and the devil. The devil has gripped the world. He's nothing to me. I can just, there we go. So one stronger than him is now here. But I'm going to do it in such a way that you are empowered. It's not just about me showing how good I am to change you, to save you, to rescue you. So I'll die. I came to die. 
to make a payment. That's a ransom. Think about a, those movies where they're, you know, kidnapped and now we want a ransom. To pay the penalty was demanded by sin. So Jesus said, yeah, I can pay the penalty from my divinity, but I'm not going to do that. How much time do we have? Oh, I don't have time to go into this. It's such a wonderful truth. I'm not going to do it as being one who is divine. Philippians 2, 5 to 9. I'm going to consider equality with God something that I can let go of. I'm going to come down in the likeness and in the image of a man. Why? Because man was made in the likeness and image of God, and then it was bent. So I will come down in the likeness and image of man to restore the likeness of image of God in man. So I have to do this as a man because otherwise it's not a substitutionary sacrifice. And if it's not a substitutionary sacrifice, my father's integrity will be broken. So dad, I'll do it. It's my bride. All things were made in and through Christ, the Bible says. I made it. I'll do it. I will go in their likeness. And I will love them so much. I will do it as a man. Tempted in every way. Struggled in every way. Took rocks, built things with his hands. I will do it as a man. And I will live a sinless life. And yet I will be treated as though I was the most wicked person there ever was. And pay the ransom and the price and penalty for sin. Sin and death. And because he did it that way, he overcame death. When God raised his son from the dead, that was saying... Sacrifice sufficient forever. That's, he came as a ransom. Why else? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save, we've looked at it, that which was lost. Now, I know some of you may not like this, and that's okay. He doesn't say he came to seek and save the lost. <laughs> doesn't say that anyway, actually. That's m mostly what it means. I'm just telling you it doesn't say that. It says he came to seek and save that which was lost. Ultimately, it's people. That's his we know that. The context is even Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to your house. We know that. I'm not saying that's not what it says. But it's bigger than that. I've come to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Well, I already told you. Authority. All authority. So Jesus comes as a ransom to serve. Behold the Lamb of God to take, to destroy the works of the devil. And what does he say when he rises again? Hey guys, behold, all authority has been given unto me. So go. I give it to you. I come to seek and save that which was lost. All authority. And it says that in the Greek. Your translation may not go back to the original. All authority has been given to me. I did that for you. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Relationship. Fellowship. Was lost. So he said, I've come to deal with sin so that I can introduce you again as humans, as a mankind, as our creation. You were made by us. So I've come to deal with what was the barrier between us because it was lost in the garden. Come back into the presence of my father. Come back into the family. We are not just gonna save you. You know, you can rescue like a person from a situation and get them just out of the situation and they're like, oh, I hope it doesn't happen again. That's not what he did. 
He rescued you, adopted you, put you in a family, gave you his name, gave you authority, gave you a robe, gave you a ring, gave you... It's a different type of rescue. And he said, come into this family. He came to save that, seek and save that which was lost, which is life. Life was lost. And he says, so I will put my spirit in you. Romans 8 even says, for the spirit gives life to our mortal flesh, even though you're already alive. He says, I will put my spirit in you. I will speak to you. Those that are not right now of my flock, all of you will hear my voice. I want relationship with you. And then I'm going to give you the type of love that I have. You don't know how to have that love yet because you have a wicked bent heart because of what was lost. But I will put my spirit on you and that spirit will shed abroad into your heart the love of God. The type of love that I have. Unselfish. I love you no matter what you do to me. I'll put that in you. Peter says it this way. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. Not by our glory. By his own glory and goodness. So... There's two more which I'll skip over. The Son of Man, it says, came to seek and save the lost. But I I wrote it like this. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost in order to save to the uttermost those who were lost. Which is people. He came to reveal the Father. The scriptures are behind me. He came to reveal the Father. I wish I could go into that. Predominantly, that's why he came. I come to reveal the Father. If you seen, want to know what the Father's like? Look at me. There's no division between the life of Christ and the, and the heart of the Father. Zero. I see it this way. I will say this. Talk about authority. Jesus arrives and basically says, listen, my family line is the original family line. We are the first. You know those movies when they trace back powerful families and and even with spiritual weird stuff, you know? No, my family line is the original family line. We're going to adopt you. Once you're in my family line, no one can touch you. Your authority is without contestation. Because it's my family line. Jesus said, last one, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose I have been sent. Why did he say that? It's actually the heart of why I'm talking about this. It says, the verse before that says, Now when it was day, he, being Jesus, departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. They say, Jesus, don't go to everyone else. Stay with us. Just hang with us. Be with us. Bless us again. Let us be in your presence again. Fill us again. Touch us again. Revive us again. Just be with us. And he says, no, no. Man, I love you guys, but listen, I've actually been sent like to the whole world. And here's the kicker. John 20, verse 21 and 22. Here's the kicker. Jesus rises from the dead, glorified body. He comes into the room. All the doors are closed. I love that the Bible points that out. Just, you, you, you know, you would think like, I'm so spiritual, I'd be like, welcome, Jesus. No, you wouldn't. You'd be freaked out. They were, because he has to say peace to you twice, which I always find funny. Peace to you. Five seconds later. No, no, peace to you. He says it twice. 
And he appears in the room and he says this. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. How's this? As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It's why we need to know why he came. Because we've actually been called by him to do the same things. As the Father sent me, all those statements I told you guys, all that stuff I told you, as that he sent me, now I'm sending you. Now obviously, we don't have to deal with sin. We don't have, but we take that and we do it. Why? I have delivered unto you what you need. Because I'm going over there to receive a kingdom. And when I come back, I'm going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you to be about my business, my father's business, until I return with that kingdom? That's what he's going to ask you. When he had said them, when he had said this, he breathed on them, he gave them what they need, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That does not mean they have the power to forgive sin. Someone preached that, that's heresy, it's not true. What he's saying to them is this, if you keep inside what I'm delivering to you, you don't know, what it, you, 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 you cannot keep it in. If you don't speak the truth, I'm going to receive a kingdom. Here's the family business. Here's the authority that I had. But if you retain this truth, their sins, they'll stay in their sin. He said that to a bunch of guys who were probably under 25 years old. I'm entrusting you with what has happened. Don't keep it locked inside you. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpent and as harmless as doves, but beware of men, even though that's your goal. For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. He's saying, it's not going to be easy. The world will hate you. They hated me. A teacher is not above, a student's not above his teacher. What happened to me will happen to you. But nevertheless, I need you to go. And I need you to tell people the truth. And I need you to preach the gospel. And I need you to share about this great salvation that's been restored, all that has been lost. So get to know why I came. Know it inside of you. And it'll flow out of you. We can't forget the world around us, friends. The darker they get, running away from them is not the answer. You're the answer. Because you carry him. And we begin everything we need. So people hear this and they say, they picture themselves standing on street corners evangelizing and being nervous and having to overcome fear and all these terrible things. You know, firstly, yeah, go do that. Nothing wrong. You'll grow fast. Honestly, you'll be like, zip. That's what happens. Can I quickly, to have time for a funny story. I was teaching this to the youth many years ago. How to pray and evangelize on the street and lay hands on the sick in the street. So we go to the street. 
and we get on the streets and there's a psychic store and one of the kids, he's like 17, he says, I had a dream about that store last night and honestly, you want to be all like, oh, that's so, I was like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, mm, not so. He's, he was freaking out. He's like, for real, if you go in there, there's going to be a lady that looks like this, wearing this, a pink couch, the whole deal. I'm like, okay, I look in, it's ex and he wasn't from there. I'm like, whoa. And I was like, okay. Now I'm like, yeah, let's go. He goes, we, get, we have to go speak to her. She's psychic. So I'm like, all right, get an appointment. So we get an appointment. And we go in, now to witness to this lady. And we walk in and we stand there. And he goes, okay, go. So I said, what do you mean? He's well in the dream, you spoke. <laughs> it's great. Wonderful. It may not be that. People think that's what they think, what I'm talking about. You have been... What has God put in your hand that to you is very little? What has God put in your hand that's very little? Maybe it's your family. Think of people who are at home with kids all day that doesn't feel spiritual. Maybe that's where you've called to bring the kingdom. To be a light that shines. Maybe it's your career. Doesn't mean be unwise and just stand up on the table and preach and you'll just be fired. But how you act and be and live and integrity and business and deals. What's the very little to you that is not spiritual? It seems very little, but God's put something in your hand. Be faithful with that. Give that, in a sense, to the kingdom. So I have this for you. It's your mina. It's not mine. And when the opportunity comes, when they ask a question, when something is said, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Some of you, it's gifts of hospitality, helps, mercy, leadership. Use them for the kingdom. Open your home. Develop people around you. It's not just evangelism. It's not just what you, th it's that too. But it's more than that. Be faithful in a very little because he's gone away to receive a kingdom. And when he comes back, he's delivered unto you authority and his own spirit and his word and power and gifts and calls. And he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you to be about my business. Can we stand? Last thing, while we learn about, I think it's on the notes, while we learn about the benefits of his that his victory brings to us, let us grow in our ability to give away, to give that away to others. Freely if you receive, freely give. Can we just open our hands, just real quick, and then, you know, then it's leaving time. If you remember the earlier, earlier comments, Jesus loves you so much. So, <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word and truth, and we thank you for what you've given us. And Lord, we ask you 
humbly. Teach us how to use it. Just that simple. Teach us how to use it. Bring this message or some points or whatever to mind so that we know, oh, we need to use it here. Teach us how to use it because it's yours. And you agree, amen. And you gave it to us. Teach us how to use it, Lord, so that you may receive glory and honor and your people can learn to actually have influence on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, love you, go home. Be blessed this week. We do love you enough to say, leave quickly. If you would like prayer, we will pray with you before you leave quickly. If you have children in there, please go get them so that you can all leave quickly. Again, we love you. We'll see you soon. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. Connection cards are a great way to connect with us. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat and complete the online form. Here, you can let us know if you're new to us, any needs you may have, or how we can connect with you. Loudon Burn will be hosting a burn event next Saturday, January 22nd, here at Free Life. Drop by the sanctuary anytime from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. to worship, pray, or simply soak in the presence of God. Various musicians will be playing throughout the day. Visit the Loudon Burn 24-7 Facebook page for more details. Living Free Ministry is now accepting appointments. We would love to help you restore a deeper connection with the Lord and find freedom from what may be holding you back. Email livingfree at freelifechurchva.com to schedule an appointment. Stay informed of upcoming events, holiday schedules, and weather closures by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Simply text FREELIFE to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning.